Welcome to Changing the Conversation Part 2, What is a Deeper Teacher? In a previous podcast, I talked about deeper learning. That learning as defined by Jal Maida and Sarah Fine in their book, In Search of Deeper Learning, The Quest to Remake the American High School, as that which facilitates the learner taking discrete pieces of knowledge and organizing them into a larger scheme of understanding. Such learning is based on having a foundation of factual knowledge that's used to develop interpretations, arguments, and conclusions. This is on page 12 of their book. This is the type of learning that we all want for ourselves and for our children. It's the type of learning that increases knowledge geometrically because it facilitates links to other ideas and disciplines, stimulates creativity and what-if ideas, and literally expands our mental universe to engage more fully with the world. Deeper learning is even what podcasts are all about, as they hope to provide a variety of ideas and topics to deepen one's understanding about a topic, teach new skills, or ignite an interest. Hopefully you're engaging in a little deeper learning right now. When deeper learning occurs, students often say, that was easy. But it's only easy because it engaged and challenged them. Learning someone describes as hard or boring is that which is provided in isolation from meaning. Hopefully we've all had teachers and mentors who have precipitated situations of deeper learning for us. It's this type of instruction that is the topic of today's podcast, Deeper Teaching, which goes beyond the mentality of sheer coverage of material or preparation for external assessments. Too often our classrooms are designed so that students are recipients of knowledge which is presented by a teacher. The person doing most of the work is the teacher. Such a style becomes more prominent in classrooms as students age. Just visit a kindergarten classroom, for example, versus being in a lecture hall at a university where students may be taking notes usually on their laptop or tablet, texting on their phone, or just doodling. With the advent of No Child Left Behind and its subsequent iterations, Current students are used to being given information and then regurgitating it on a multiple choice test. That is not deeper learning, nor is it deeper teaching. College professors have even seen the result of this mindset. There's an article by Michelle Goodwin entitled Law Professors See the Damage Done by NCLB, which can be found online. It documents that current students in law school have gone through school entirely under the auspices of NCLB. As a consequence, professors are asked for, what's on the test? What do I have to know? And can I have copies of your notes? The quality of student writing has changed in that professors see an inability to provide a written analysis to draw inferences, pose arguments, or prove a point. These students have not been the products of widespread deeper teaching. When Maida and Fine conducted their research and visited schools across the United States over a six-year period of time, they found that the instance of deeper teaching in classrooms was spotty at best. In four out of five classrooms, the instruction was focused at the lower levels of Bloom's taxonomy at recall, comprehension, and application, but seldom at analyze, synthesize, or creation. When Maida or Fine followed a student for a day, they would likely encounter one, maybe two classes where there were opportunities for higher level critical thinking or analysis. Plus, most classrooms were dominated by teacher talk or, as in math classes, 
The student work was focused on practicing the use of algorithms on problems, not in using or applying the math to real-life issues. They found this to be true, regardless of the type of school, be it a charter, IB, or comprehensive. Although there were some instances in IB settings where synthesis and critical thinking was apparent, such as in the theory of knowledge requirement and in the synthetic work on literature that builds over the four years in high school. So what is deeper teaching? It's hard to devise a simplistic definition because it's a process, not a thing. It's rather like U.S. Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart said when he was trying to define pornography. His famous line is, I know it when I see it. So too with deeper teaching, and with deeper teaching, one can even feel or sense it. First of all, deeper teachers create a climate in their classroom where all, including the teacher, are learners. Michael Hartunian, former professor at the University of Minnesota, once posed the idea that all students should see themselves as scholars. I thought about the value of that word and how it changes the approach to teaching. If you think about it, if a classroom is designed with teacher as expert, student as recipient, the person doing most of the work is the teacher. Students are passive recipients and regurgitators. It's an unequal relationship as though it's the teacher's job to pour information into the heads of students. However, if the room is composed of scholars, including the teacher, there's a reciprocal relationship between teacher and student because each is learning from the other. The teacher facilitates a process but is not the only one doing the work. There is a mutual responsibility to engage and be engaged, to collaborate, and to think. Such a climate recognizes that learning takes place for everyone. Secondly, Deeper teachers have a rich background in their content knowledge and are constantly in touch with current ideas and thoughts in that domain. Too often teachers think they have to be the only expert in the room, but they don't. Deeper teachers are, quote, guides, coaches, facilitators by posing questions, challenging students' thinking, and leading them to examine interplay of ideas and relationships, unquote, according to Maida and Fine. For example, history classes do not just focus on names and dates, but they look for patterns, relationships, causes and effects, lessons for the future. Too often our high school history classes do not reach this level. In English classes, deeper teaching creates situations of analyzing the insights that literature offers about human nature across time. Deeper teaching honors the fact that writing is different depending on the need for the message. For example, writing text messages is a valid style, but it is a style very different than that in writing an essay, and both are very valid. So too with public speaking. Most adults fear standing in front of a group of people more than anything, and they hate to prepare and present a speech. Yet, we can help students learn the different strategies for different circumstances and make public speaking a life skill. Third, Knowing students is critical to a deeper teacher. Knowing the students' strengths and weaknesses is crucial to designing lessons which will challenge and engage. The teacher knows when to scaffold crucial skills and when to probe. They are comfortable in allowing students to struggle sometimes because that too is valuable learning. 
They don't feel the need to provide answers, but are more likely to keep questioning the students to guide their own process. They also want their students to have the same passion about the subject that they have. There is no higher compliment than to have someone choose a career in their beloved content area. Recently, I aired a podcast of Carrie Jo Draywitz, curriculum director in West St. Paul. At the beginning of her career, she taught a chemistry for the community course at a high school and now wishes she had known then what she knows now because she feels she would be a better teacher. The students in her class were not necessarily science aficionados or even possible science majors. In fact, her goal for them was to recognize the importance of science in daily lives. Yet, once a student came back after college and told Carrie Jo that she was now a chemist, Carrie Jo was surprised and said, I thought you didn't even like science. The student's response, you inspired me. That is a comment that Carrie Jo will always remember. Four, these teachers are constant learners themselves, or to use a Hartoonian term, they are scholars themselves. They attend workshops on new strategies. They brainstorm with peers and problem solve with them. They aren't afraid to try something because if it doesn't work, there are lessons to be learned in that as well. Something may or may not work with one group, but it may work with another. Deeper teachers incorporate new pedagogical strategies with proven strategies, meaning that they stay current in content and pedagogy, but they know how to discern a bandwagon from a tool. Five, deeper teachers help students stumble onto and create connections and meaning. As a special education teacher, it was something I really tried to make happen. Not that I call myself a deeper teacher, but I do hope that I helped make connections and help students put the smaller pieces into a larger context. As part of my job, I sometimes team taught with core content area teachers. Biology was one of those courses. On a daily basis, students learned a lot of pieces. However, sometimes they did not see how those pieces fit together. For example, students learned about the process of photosynthesis and a few days later learned about respiration. They never put it together that those two are symbiotic reverse processes. The byproducts of one become the key ingredients of the other and vice versa. Before the tests on the chapter, I ran review sessions and showed them this connection. And for many, it was though it suddenly made sense and wasn't just learning first one thing and then the other. It was recognizing that they were pieces of a whole a multi-dimensional process. Deeper teachers often have had a personal eye-opening experience that helps them move away from valuing factoids to valuing the application of the knowledge into real life. This could have happened in college or in a master's degree program or could have been the opportunity to teach students who were disengaged from school. Maybe these teachers were even second career educators who have seen what was necessary in the real world. Regardless of when and how it occurred, the experience changed their philosophy of teaching and helped them create a different culture in their classroom. Who are these teachers? Maida and Fine found that those teachers engaging in deeper teaching had some common characteristics. All but one had been teaching at least 10 years. The median level of experience was 20 years. Their ages ranged from early 30s to near 70 with the median age early 40s. All of them were teaching in traditional public schools and four of the seven taught in high poverty urban districts, all identified as white. Many who had come through a traditional teaching program and experience gradually saw a limit to this approach and decided a new approach was warranted. 
Maida and Fine found that the link between their practices, identities, personal journeys, and what they tried to do with their students had been accomplished only after a considerable journey developed over time. Michael Fullan, former Dean of the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education of the University of Toronto and currently an advisor to the Premier and Minister of Education in Ontario, recently co-authored a book called Deep Learning, Engage the World, Change the World. In this book, the authors describe the four ingredients necessary to create a climate ripe for deeper teaching. Number one, learning environments such as the physical plants are conducive to many ways and places to learn. The focus is on the creation and use of knowledge in the real world rather than only transmitting knowledge that already exists. Two, there are learning partnerships, relationships, and mentorships with the communities. There is intentionality in forging new learning partnerships between and among students and teachers because the learning process becomes the focal point for the mutual discovery, creation, and use of knowledge. In my and Hartunian's words, everyone is a scholar. Three, it is necessary to leverage digital tools, which is using these tools effectively and efficiently. Pedagogies leverage digital ubiquitously to accelerate and deepen the learning, not simply as an add-on or an end in itself. And four, effective pedagogical practices are standard practice. New pedagogies expand the learning environment by moving beyond the traditional classroom walls to use time, space, and people within and beyond the classroom walls as a catalyst for building new knowledge and creating a robust culture for learning. Fullen believes that of the four, we have neglected pedagogy the most because we've been so concerned and absorbed by the current accountability mentality, which is the outgrowth of NCLB, that we have de-emphasized the how of effective teaching. As a former curriculum director, I support Fullen's contention that we have neglected pedagogy in the last few years. It's time to reinsert such an emphasis so that teachers have a variety of effective strategies to excite and cause deeper learning. It isn't just the old adage of teaching something longer and louder, but we don't always equip our pre-service teachers with multiple strategies. The development of and practice in using diverse strategies takes time and exposure. Even for our experienced teachers, it isn't about doing something entirely new, but to use Michael Fullan's term, it's about fusion of known effective strategies with newly developed strategies to do what works. For example, teachers can fuse proven models, design skills, teaching strategies, and assessments. To elaborate, some of the proven models that can be fused such as inquiry, problem-based learning, experiential learning, simulations, and integrative thinking can be fused with the co-designed learning partners, blended learning, and online learning. Proven design skills, such as universal design, scaffolding, and gradual release of responsibility can be fused with gaming, coding, Minecraft, e-portfolios, video conferencing, and digital storytelling. Proven teaching strategies, such as cooperative learning, graphic organizers, reciprocal teaching, and thinking skills can make use of collaborative tools, threaded discussions, blogs, wikis, apps, and screencasts, and proven assessment practices, such as formative, summative, peer, and self-assessment can be fused with feedback analytics, self-assessment, and peer assessment. 
When working with teachers about this topic, it is important to acknowledge that some teachers may see this discussion as a criticism of their work, that they have not done their job, that they have been ineffective. That is not the case. This is not a thing, but it's a process by which we can all get better. In fact, it is permission for teachers to once again honor that there is a marriage of skill and art that makes a good teacher. No computer can replace a good teacher because a computer does not have the humanity it takes to do that. One resource I have found is that of Martha Rush, a teacher in Moundsview Public Schools in Moundsview, Minnesota, where she teaches AP Macroeconomics, AP Microeconomics, AP Psychology, and Psychology. She has published a book entitled Beat Boredom, Engaging Tuned-Out Teenagers. In this book, she describes several strategies in depth that she uses successfully to engage and challenge her students. Let me say I am not her agent, nor am I proposing that you necessarily buy her book. I merely want to offer a resource for teachers who are always looking for ideas. Her examples provided often show how proven practices are enhanced by being fused with innovative practices. One strategy she uses is that of storytelling, which she values for its ability to capture interest and to provide a context for material. Because stories involve a plot with conflict and resolution, there's a natural mnemonic structure built in as opposed to just hearing facts, names, and places. For example, if we were discussing the history of prejudice, I could tell the story of how Minneapolis used to redline various neighborhoods so that certain populations could not buy real estate there. Showing maps of certain neighborhoods, telling personal stories from people who lived through this, and then discussing how that has led to the de facto segregation that may still exist is more memorable than just reciting the facts. Stories are familiar, they can be retold, and they can stimulate imagination. In her book, Martha describes how to use them, and she even suggests caveats to help others avoid pitfalls that she's learned the hard way. Other strategies she provides are discussion and debate, problem-based learning, simulation, competition, and authentic tasks. With each, she provides the rationale and advice in how to use. Her practicality and realism is apparent in the advice she offers. One. Engagement is necessary, but the engagement has to be engagement with purpose. Unquote. This speaks to one of my favorite quotes from Edith Ann, a character made real by comedian Lily Tomlin on the old TV program Laugh-In. Lil- Edith Ann says, I like a teacher who gives you something to take home and think about besides homework. Number two from Martha. Do not assume technology is the answer. End quote. Having students work on an iPad or in a notebook does not necessarily mean they are engaged in productive learning. A worksheet online is still just a worksheet. Three, quote, don't swing from one pendulum to another, unquote. Students still need to learn necessary content. It's just how they do it that becomes engaging. Four, she calls it, quote, beware of false dichotomies, unquote. I would say avoid bandwagons. Sometimes a lecture might be appropriate. Depending on the purpose, group work may not be engaging. I'm sure we've all been in pair-share activities that didn't further the conversation, for example. The skill lies in knowing one's students and using appropriate strategies to meet their needs. Four, quote, using active learning strategies takes training, practice, and reflection, unquote. Not everything works all the time or with every group. 
skill and art marry with experience and the willingness to practice and fail. How does deeper teaching affect the disenfranchised, disconnected learners even help close the achievement gap? Fullen and Maida and Fine can attest to the fact that deeper learning could be, as Fullen says, quote, possible force for reversing the damaging effects of concentrated intergenerational poverty and racism. Noguera, Darling and Hammond, and Friedlander in 2015 reported that schools that engage low-income and minority students in deep learning have stronger academic outcomes, better attendance and student behavior, lower dropout rates, and higher rates of college attendance and perseverance than comparison schools serving similar students. Deeper teaching matters. In our old ideas of, quote, the grammar of schooling, unquote, which is a Larry Cuban, David Tyak term from their book, Tinkering Toward Utopia, it was felt that disadvantaged students had to master the fundamentals of reading and numeracy before they could experience challenging lessons. However, in with deeper teaching, Fullen has experience in schools where teachers replace those so-called foundational classes with, quote, effective programs that bolster foundational literacy and numeracy skills, but simultaneously engross students in authentic tasks that engage them deeply while providing meaningful ways to learn critical literacy skills. We call this the equity hypothesis. There is a strong case to be made that we need to tackle inequity with excellence, defined as deep learning, doing something in depth that has personal and collective meaning." Unquote. That can't happen without deeper teaching. He even suggests a tweet, quote, don't dumb down, smarten up. Proof positive of this idea was proven by Marva Collins years ago. Miss Collins started a school called Westside Preparatory in Chicago because, as a teacher, she was dismayed about the quality of education for some students in the Chicago public schools. Her story was even made into a TV movie, The Marva Collins Story, with Cecily Tyson starring as Marva. Marva Collins was featured on a CBS 60 Minutes clip. Ronald Reagan even asked her to be Secretary of Education. She relied on classical materials such as Shakespeare and the Socratic method to provoke challenging experiences and to show students that what they thought of as difficult, they could do. Many of her students went on to graduate from college and become productive, educated citizens. Her school operated for 30 years. Our society is changing and schools need to be different. Here's a quote from Eric Hoffer that says it best. In a time of drastic change, it is the learners who inherit the future. The learned usually find themselves equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Deeper teaching isn't one more thing to do. It's not a program. It's an attitude, a professional practice. It's not deeper teaching, both capitalized. It's deeper teaching, both lowercase, which implies it's an ongoing belief, attitude, philosophy, and practice. It is the enactment of what Stephen Covey said years ago. It is, quote, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, unquote. How does a teacher become and remain being a deeper teacher? One, keep your excitement about teaching. Recognize that your role as teacher is to engage, excite, and enlighten your students. Teaching is a great profession, and it makes a difference in people's lives. Two, respect and like your students, which means getting to know them. As a former teacher of behaviorally disordered kids, I often asked them in high school what they thought of their teachers in school. 
Those that hated school or felt like an outsider told me that they did not think there was ever a teacher who cared about them as a person in all of their years. Students who can do school can name teachers with whom they have connected. Those connections speak to the power of one. It takes one teacher to make a permanent difference in the life of a student. Three, stay connected to your content. If you love physical education, stay current in the fun ways to get kids moving and eating well. If you love math, stay current in how math is used in developing new ideas and products. You get the picture. Four, keep practicing and learning effective pedagogy. It isn't about coverage. It's about learning. Be wary of ideas that everyone is doing. Effective pedagogy is not a thing. It's a process. Five, avoid bandwagons. They come and go. You don't. Six, try different strategies for different students and groups. What worked in your first hour of class may not work third hour or in different years. That's okay. Seven, the ability to quote fail is really not a failure. It's a learning experience. Eight, keep learning. Be a learning leader. There are several resources for this podcast that I just want to repeat. Michael Fullan's book of deep learning, Jal Maida and Sarah Fine, In Search of Deeper Learning, Martha Rush's book, Beat Boredom, Larry Cuban and David Tyak's book, Tinkering Toward Utopia. Larry Cuban has a blog at larrycuban.wordpress.com backslash blog backslash. Jal Maida has some YouTube videos. Michael Fullan, Joanne Quinn, Joanne McEachern have a book, Deep Learning, Engage the World, Change the World. Marva Collins, there's a wiki about her and her book, Marva's Way, and even the movie, which you may be able to find online. The next podcast will be about the role of learning leaders. It will be Changing the Conversation, Part 3. In the recent past, there's been a lot of discussion and conversation and writing about how educational leaders, such as superintendents, principals, special education directors, and so on, are also instructional leaders. Let's change that conversation to call ourselves learning leaders, which once again implies that learning is an ongoing process for all of us, that we are never done getting better. This is Jane Sigford signing off. If you have questions or comments, my email is jlsigford at comcast.net. I leave you with words from a Chinese proverb. If you are planning for a year, sow rice. If you are planning for a decade, plant trees. If you are planning for a lifetime, educate people. Thanks for listening.